the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I want to welcome you to our Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to be with you on this June 29th. Moving into July, and guess what? We are moving into July 4th, Independence Day, a symbol of the final expression of triumph and, uh, if you will, celebration of a revolution, revolution that is filled with all kinds of historical abnormalities, uh, distortions, hagiographic uh, markings, uh, and definitely a revolutionary history that is absolutely germane in terms of where you and I are today. Again, I want to welcome you to the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Gistan, keeping you company for the next two hours, Lord willing. And the number to reach me is one 367 5329 Three six seven five three two nine. I asked you two weeks ago, and then I asked you again last week uh, a question. I basically said Reformation or Revolution. Reformation or Revolution. And we had some very healthy, stirring conversations at that time as to which one it was. And almost to a T, I don't think I recall anybody basically uh, saying with any kind of strong voice that we are in the middle of a reformational uh, redress in America. Most all of you who called affirmed that, that we are in a sort of revolution. A revolution of sorts uh, is an understatement. We are definitely, definitely, definitely in a revolution. Now, here's the problem with a revolution. A revolution is romantic. Uh, a revolution is utopic. It's, uh, it's idealistic uh, to those who are naive and novel uh, to change, who want change, who are looking forward to change, who just uh, want to get rid of the status quo, want to do something different, want to engage in a new adventure, want to change the old way of things. For them, a revolution is romantic. But anyone that has been in war and anyone that has been uh, in the midst of the post-tragic uh, effects of a revolution knows that a revolution, with its very design, uh, with its very end game, its very objective, uh, is not meant to bring about some kind of romantic change, some type of uh, utopic, uh, uh, um, if you will, um, 
rebuild or uh, reboot or um, refurnish of a nation or a society or a culture uh, or what have you. Revolution is not romantic and revolution is not pretty. Nothing could be further from the truth. Revolution leads to a civil war, particularly when the people that are the parties in conflict in a revolution don't have the tools, don't have the resources, don't have the insight, don't have the humility, don't have the willingness to address the potential conflicts that come from revolution before they emerge into a civil war. So the conversation that we want to have today, because it's a very sobering one, very necessary, very important. I mean, you know, we could spend the next couple of hours very much like uh, any any of our uh, social media outlets do, just kind of pontificating our ideas. There's no doubt about that. And maybe some people will benefit from our discourse or not. Or we could really begin to contemplate uh, deep down inside the, uh, the, the range of motion that our internal Richter skill is picking up in terms of the quaking and trembling and shaking of our sense of our culture, our, our nation, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's our leadership, our government, and, and the people on the ground. Uh, we can talk about that. Of course, I'm going to be sharing with you from a biblical worldview, obviously, and, and letting you know that uh, wherever the world of humanity has been, wherever human beings have engaged in political discourse and in uh, civil unrest and the challenges thereof, uh, that the, the Christian must operate from a biblical worldview so that he or she does not get swept up into the revolution. So you do know that you never saw Jesus ever get involved in any kind of political melee or any kind of overt uh, contentious conflicts with, with the Roman Empire or with the uh, Jewish zealots who were engaged in constant conflagrations all around uh, Palestine, all the way up into Galilee and uh, Capernaum and areas like that, that, they were constantly pushing the envelope of, uh, of overthrowing the Roman Empire in their own regions. You never once saw anywhere in the scriptures even a hint of the Son of God who could have easily led a totally successful both revolution and civil war if he needed to, as he plainly said, in the midst of his ultimate kenosis. If I wanted to, I could call down a legion of angels from my father and we could finish this business in a nanosecond. But what did he say? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight political battles. They would fight carnal battles. They would fight battles that would have at its interest uh, political real estate, geographical real estate, cultural real estate, and, and the like. And so we, we do want to kind of talk this through. And the reason why is, uh, it's just my humble opinion that we are on the brink of a civil war, just based on all the analysis, historical factors relevant to past civil wars, 
They always were preceded by revolutions. Revolutions are designed to lead to civil unrest, uh, 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 social unrest, relational unrest between parties. And revolutions are always leading to um, um, conflict that rises to the level of violence and bloodshed, particularly if in that revolutionary uh, objective they do not want the, the ones who are provoking the revolution or uh, the ones who are w uh, resisting the revolution. If the parties in conflict are not willing to sit down at the table and engage in real significant uh, uh, potentially policy-changing policy uh, debate so that uh, facts can be put on the table, the only thing that you're going to have is one group holding one set of opinions, another group holding another set of opinions, and, uh, and then eventually uh, we will reach critical mass. And the next thing you know, not only will uh, martial law be ensued and, and, and tanks will begin to, to ride, but as it was in the civil war of our own country, our own family members, our own brothers and sisters will be killing one another because revolution is itself a sickness and civil war is the fruit of it. It is a madness. So, I mean, you know, if you're feeling all good and, and all romantic about a revolution, I would say you're, you're definitely not operating out of a biblical paradigm. You're just not. And if you're feeling that somehow, you know, it's going to turn out well, that we will continue down a path of revolutionary uh, symbolism and revolutionary assaults and the, uh, the threats and the... Uh, the 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 pushing up against authority to the point where um, you know you create internal uh, resistance and 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 envy and uh, and suspicions and 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 and, and phobic uh, xenophobic if not just you know general phobic uh, emotions on the part of people because of unrest and if you like that then then understand you you're part of that war mongering culture. But uh, I can tell you now, I, we need to really be thinking through and talking about and looking at all the factors that are going into the idea of a civil war. Because on the left, the neo-Marxist cultural revolution that we have explicitly set forth before you, which has been in working for many decades subversively um, in our, our policies, in our schools, in our educational system. Uh, in our entertainment, uh, these these neo-Marxist objectives have been laid out clearly, and I'm going to share with you them uh, today. So you can probably begin to look back and think, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that particular expression of culture was part of a, uh, uh, a part of a system of, of rebellion and uprise against the present status quo. But we've been talking about this for decades as well. The Bible doesn't put it in the kind of dialectical terms that Hegel does or that Marx does or that Engels does. But here is how the Bible puts it. The nation that forgets God, forgets God, forgets God, will be turned into hell. That's how God puts it. So, yeah, you, you got these uh, two categories, your left, right, your blue, red. And you got most people on that plantation. You guys know that. Uh so um, the issue will be, do you think plantational politics and arguing my master is better than your master is the way we ought to dialogue? 
Do you really think that politics is designed to solve anything once there is such a level of, uh, of uh, hostility and, and rage and conflict that, uh, that the outcome of those who are hungering and thirsting for what they feel is justice and righteousness um, at the loss of everyone else who may not agree with you? Uh, do you think it will turn out well? In the end, or is it that all we want is a kind of quid pro quo, um, a kind of tit for tat, a kind of it's your turn to uh, be under our foot and it's our turn to rule and and uh, and see what it's like to be, you know, be in a big house. Is that really what we want here uh, in America? Because that's basically what I see going on on the ground in, in terms of rhetoric, in terms of uh, policy agenda, in terms of this maddening anti-racist new gospel terminology that's taking place. That's what I see. I do not see any kind of reconciliation. I do not kind of see any kind of equitable, redemptive, atoning solution by which we could all move forward in a greater, real, um, uh, social egalitarian way. I do not see that. I don't hear that from the left. I don't hear those kind of solutions. And I really don't hear a wise retort on the right, quite frankly. I don't hear the, the, the right being able to actually engage the left in solutions that can work for all parties. Don't see it. And therefore, basically, what, I be, what I'm uh, seeing on the horizon, what's occurring to me in the massive dark clouds that are hovering over our head, and I'm not speaking um, in a vacuum. You can begin to do the research for yourself about the precursors to a civil war. You can look for yourself. They're, they're, the history is there. We've learned a lot about revolutions, and we've learned a lot about civil wars. All it takes are certain elements to be predictably placed in conflict with each other, and the net out, output is civil war. Now, we can have one in America, whether you know it or not. We can have a civil war. We can have local civil wars that take place in regions in different states, all of the states in America are, are uh, independent to a certain extent. They don't all operate under one monolithic king or monarch. Donald Trump is not a monarch. He's not a king. Uh, the states operate with senators and governors and, and leaders that, that can play a major role if they had the wisdom to quell any kind of major destabilization in its own state. Uh, and thus maintain the union. But if a state should be taken over, like Washington, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Seattle, Washington, if that were to expand itself to the whole of Washington, it's very conceivable that Washington could yield to the proletariat and submit to the comrades and they could take over that state. And, uh, and, and, and Washington would just be cut off from the rest of the union, and uh, the union could conceivably uh, wage oppositional positions and, uh, and establish protection on its borders and be ready to deal with any kind of aggression that would come from Washington. That would be the same thing, you guys, with California. If somehow this liberal state of California, liberal in terms of our politics, not liberal in, term of, in terms of most of our citizens. I've said it for a long time. The vast majority of the citizens in California are moderates. 
our down, downline, no doubt about it, are moving into a more socialist Marxist uh, uh, liberal position because they've been brainwashed in college to do so. But uh, most of your uh, working class, middle working class, upper middle class folks who have uh, been around for some time, they are indeed uh, moderates. This is why you don't see a whole lot of leftist activity just breaking out all over California. You get some of that down in Southern Cal and, and in other areas, but not as an aggregate whole. We are we are moderate, not conservative, but moderate. And so, but 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 moderate means that we could be tested and pushed to such a limit and, and uh, extreme with some of these uprises and again uh, tumults to where the moderates can be made to be extremists or capitulate, if you will, capitulate to the mandates. If you, if you understand what's going on with the Marxist playbook uh, in our schools and our colleges and in in our streets and and with our uh, authorities. The Marxist playbook is working itself out precisely as it has been planned, both from a Gramscian socialist strat strategic standpoint and an overt Marxist militant standpoint. And they're, they're not afraid to tell you that they want this whole thing to come down. So, Christian, what helmet are you wearing? The blue or the red? Because if you're going to play by the dialectic of this a world, you're going to find yourself in the middle of that battle. If your identity is rooted in 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 in, in social, political, ethnic uh, values, you're going to be in the middle of that battle. Sorry, and uh, based upon some of the estimations that I'm reading, uh, this civil war could take place as early as three or four years from now. Uh, uh, so we're going to talk about the implications, if you will, of a, a Trump win or loss. And I hope you wake up. I really do. I hope you read your Bible more seriously and uh, search your heart uh, more fervently as to where you stand with God. Because uh, once the, the Civil War breaks out, you're just going to be in the middle of what all of the historic historians have said that those who were in the battlefield of civil wars uh, experienced hell. You're just going to be in the middle of a hell-like situation where it's going to appear very clearly that the devil is on the throne of the events and a shroud has so severely uh, obscured any real conscious presence of God that... Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna think you're in hell, and that will be because we're, we've asked for it. We have pressed into, you know, wanting to go to war and kill each other. Uh, I want you to think about Rwanda, Rwanda, same ethnic folks, Tutsis and Hutus, and what it was that led up to them so hostily engaging in the killing of eight hundred thousand people in less than the end of three months. And they did that without guns. They did it with machetes and other, uh, what we would call agricultural uh, tools. What kind of hostility led a brother to kill brother, sister, sister, family member, family member? What, what, were, the, what were the tenets of that diabolical, subversive mechanism that led to that kind of uh, demonic hatred? We really have to work that through because I, I got a feeling that we're around the corner from that. I know, bad stuff. 
I'm not I'm not one of those ones that stick my head in the sand. I, I just don't. I I'd rather see it coming and then prepare myself for it. And in the meanwhile, because I have a calling of these kind of platforms, let you know, which we talked about this 12, 15, 20 years ago. And here we are. Three lines open, one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. Three lines open, one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. We're gonna pay a bunch of bills. When we come back, we will um, try to have a, a, a civil, rational, biblical conversation, non-romantic, uh, logical, and objective discourse on where we are and where we're going on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. We've got one line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Before we go to the phone lines, I'm gonna pose pose a question. And if you veer from the question, I'm gonna drop you, okay? Because we really wanna make sure we stay within the parameters of what we're dealing with as a topic. I'm basically positing that we won't be long before we're engaged in a civil war. Uh, the factors are very clear. Whenever citizenry rises to the level of this kind of overt expression of uh, destruction of monuments, the mandate of uh, wholesale uh, political change that 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 require almost an extermination of historical factors that basically describe and define a country. Um, and, and, and really more to boot with regards to the essential ideology that's driving this particular revolution, uh, whenever that's occurring, whenever you're saying that we want to change the country uh, and we're going to change the country and you don't uh, follow a civil uh, orderly process by which that's done and you're willing to, you're already banking on and estimating whatever is necessary, even the absolute shed blood of men and women in the street, we're going to have, a, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a revolution. That is the makings of a civil war. And, and here's the question that I'm going to ask you all, because this is coming from the left. It's not coming from the right. It's coming from the left. It's coming from uh, quasi-blue state people is coming from your neo-Marxist uh, cultural uh, revolutionists. And, and they have plainly stated that. So if you don't understand the underpinnings of that philosophy and ideology, you, you're missing the point. Because they plainly stated what they want. And that's what they're going after, going after. And so I ask you, does it look like we're headed towards a civil war? That's the question. And, uh, and the second one that we'll go with it is, what do they want? Because if you can really begin to think that through, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, this is not going to just go away. It's just not going to go away. Not going to go away with Donald Trump's vote, uh, a loss of office. Uh, it's not going to go away if he wins or he loses. If he loses, it's probably going to accelerate the, uh, the, the, the revolutionary uh, agenda. So I'm asking you, you know, are we headed to a civil war? Uh, and what do they want? Let's go to line number one and talk with Jermaine from Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Great, great. What's going on? What's your thoughts today? Well, you know, uh, considering your question, um, I, I would have to say, yeah, I think we are actually approaching some kind of severe civil unrest. And I say that because um, I, I started hearing comments from people I know who I know are now really believers and they keep coining the term civil war, and they're, they're usually making it a racial issue. Sure. And, you know, uh, th that and then I, I start to see things. There's a pattern to 
tearing down monuments or statues. And then, you know, um, I even heard one author, I think it was Sean King, the, the you know, controversial author in the black community. And he actually uh, recommended tearing down Jesus statues next. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, I had a cousin of mine who was riding with me and uh, she had mentioned she wanted to talk about something and uh, unprovoked. She just said she was just going to go ahead and vote for Donald Trump because she can't stand the lunacy and the stuff she's seen. She's a former liberal. And it was almost more of an effort for her to come out as a secret Trump supporter than it was to come out as a lesbian. And right. just that kind of fear that this movement has inspired in people. When I say this movement, this is it is beyond Black Lives Matter. I think it's uh, I've been sending copies to people as many as I can about uh, communism and Karl Marx. But the sad thing is no one read it. I know 99 percent of the people won't read it. So they don't realize they're they're playing a part in a game and, and they're not going to be the winners when it's over. Absolutely. Now, you you do you did uh, you and your wife did get my instructions about the videos that I recommended you guys watch uh, from Sunday, right? All of them, uh, besides the last one, I couldn't find it. But uh, yeah, I've, I've uh, seen the interviews and I've seen the videos. Okay, so you did. You weren't able to find uh, the. Um, you weren't able to find the one about the college. Uh, let me okay. let me pull Every that brief. up again because that that is such an important one that I want you to to be able to. Uh, it's called Evergreen State College and Grievance Studies. Uh, Evergreen right. State College and Grievance Studies. You weren't able to pull that up. You know, I probably wrote the title down wrong. I had the Evergreen Evergreen State College Grievance Study, but uh, I just finished with uh, with Mr. Murray's interview, so. I love uh, the madness of the crowd. I, I saw a couple of those, and okay. I was looking for the last one, but couldn't find. It, but I, I will get on that. Right, and and uh, yeah, it, sometimes because of the controversial nature of videos, they without exact uh, without exact uh, spelling and things of that nature, it might be hard to pick it up. But again, it's Evergreen State College and Grievance Studies. There's going to be two videos, and those videos are important to watch, Jermaine, because they actually give you the model that I've been warning about, warning people about for, for years in terms of uh, socialism being nothing but soft Marxism, and how now it is a hyper-aggressive system that are, are taught to college students by professors, and the college students are the revolutionaries, as you know, and uh, to, to see that and you were, if you were to be able to pass that on to some of your loved ones or friends who are naive about what's going on, because they won't necessarily read major documents like the Communist Manifesto or the Communist Confession of Faith or the Communist Mandates or any of the other longer documents that have to do with the same kind of uh, subversion of a country, uh, those videos will play a major role. If they like thinking, and I'll ask you this before I let you go, did you did you benefit from that, that sobering discussion that Douglas Murray had, both with the Hoover Institute and with um, the, the uh, interviewer from Joe? Uh, yeah, I, I very much did, and I was actually surprised about uh, him being so forthcoming with his own his own personal uh, lifestyle, which lends a lot more credibility to what he said, which which should alarm people. But yeah, yeah I very much enjoyed that, and I'm going to uh, continue searching out interviews with his because I found them very enlightening. Right, and he will. He, yeah, and I'm going to talk about why his position. That's why I do this when I when I recommend videos. I'm actually building an eclectic a, a, an eclectic argument around the distinction between these genetic fallacies that are going on around race 
that have nothing to do with what 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 is being told people uh, is really the case. And and Douglas is smart enough to know that his own community is in danger. His own community is in danger by this intersectionality, which we've been warning about for a long time. And, and he's a smart individual, very bright and articulate. And I'm glad he's representing that category so that we can begin to expose the, the underlying fallacy that I've been talking about in our Friday studies around, you know, uh, race. Uh, do you have any other any other uh, comments or observations you wanted to render before I move on? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe I'm biased, but I'm, I'm very thankful that you started the series that you did for the uh, Friday Night Bible Studies. I think they're they're some of the most important stuff that anyone could listen to, given current events. And when I pass around, I've even given out the audiobook version of the yeah. Communist Manifesto. I know most people won't pay attention, but I just wanted to have a clear conscience to say, hey, at least I tried. So that, that's Absolutely. My, my Absolutely. I, I'm getting the question from people, what should I be doing? Um, and, and I think a believer should always be working towards illumination. I think we should all be involved in illumination. I'm getting people who are trying to jump on the you know plantation wagon and fight left and right battles that we see in the street. And to me, for the believer, that's not his battle. But illumination is always the battle, Jermaine. Uh, uh, shedding light on the reality of things, casting vision so that people can see that this battle uh, has subversive components that really require your understanding. Uh, that is the best you can do besides simply preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thanks for your efforts, man, and and, and uh, keep listening. Let's uh, let's fight the good fight of faith until uh, until we are given a. Uh, uh, instructions from the Lord as to what we must practically do with our families. So thanks for the call. Uh, let me see here. Let me go to line number three and talk with Nelson from Web Redwood City. Nelson, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. Did you did you hear my question? Yes. Yeah, are we going to have a civil war? I was walking from a store, but I'm home now. But the question was, are we going to have a civil war, right? Are we headed towards civil war? Um, <laughs> I, I don't think um, physically. I mean, if, I mean, there's so so much nuance to this. But just going with the Confederate thing, Trump has been very pro-Confederate, but um, the Marine Corps is not allowing their flag anymore. The the, the military is saying they're going to rename the bases. Mississippi's done away with that flag. And the, the three Marine Corps generals, two of them, which were in Trump's cabinet, John, John Kelly and um, Mattis, they've come out and said Trump is unhinged. The military is not going to go with this right-wing, white nationalist thing. And I know we're in conservative Christian radio, and I, I suppose to say everything against the left and nothing against why, the right. Why, why do you why do you say that? I, that's why do you say that? You 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 have absolutely no justification for that notion here. You might have that justification, uh, Nelson, in other radio programs, but you and I have never had a conversation where I have censored you for speaking what's freely on your mind. So don't don't give me that crap because it's completely BS here. I, I want you to just tell the truth as you figure mm -hmm. it. By the way, you do know that everybody that knows Nelson from Redwood City knows that you are an anti-Trump guy and, and all of that kind of stuff. They all know that, so you're, you're free to talk. For me, you, I hope you understand that I don't operate out of the left-right narrative. I don't operate out of that. Have you figured that out yet? 
you know, you talk about the left way more than right. There's way more alt-right white nationalist violence by by the FBI. There you go again. You still aren't. You still aren't. You still aren't. You you still aren't staying on point with me. You're just beating up on the right, which is cool. But you you're, you're making my point, bro. You're making my exact point. Okay, let me let me take you back to something I think is more transcendent. Uh, how, what what is God's view on what's going on, Nelson? Give me a give me a crystal centric view. That um, people are sinners. <laughs> we'll start off with that. People are sinners, but. Um, Okay, what would Christ have us do? Both sides are wrong. Um, Can you say that again? Huh? Can you say that again? Both sides who are extreme are wrong. Okay, Um, all right, good. I like that. the 35, when Lindsey Graham was running for president, he was asked on CNN, why is Trump beating you so bad? And Lindsey Graham said, point blank, well, 35% of my party believes Obama's not an American citizen and that he's a Muslim. So out of 17 people running, Trump got that 35% who are bigots in the Republican Party. And now we're seeing the manifestation of the 35% of the wackos in the, in the liberal party. And neither side is going to win. Neither side is going to win. The, the people who are level-headed and, and straight-headed, that, that's where most people are. And, uh, yeah, and, I agree and with I that, but that doesn't, that's not the way history works in terms of wars. You ought to know that. You're a military man. You ought to know that the level-headed middle never, ever are the people who, uh, who are able to stop war. You, this is not as bad as the Civil War, and this is not even as bad as 1968. What do you mean? This is not as this is not as bad as 1968. I know that. <laughs> How do you know it? Uh, that's what I'm asking. I mean, I'm giving you the, the space to, to to talk about it. How do you know look, that? Look, look, look at look at look at all the white people who are in the street. You're almost painting a narrative. You may not be doing it on purpose, but you're painting a narrative that only black people are protesting against the violence. I mean, actually, you know what, Nelson? 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 Guess what? You haven't listened to me at all. You know that. But but no, you talk. You're talking about vengeance and and, and no 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 no. Listen. So then here's what I want to say because I know you do listen to. Um, yeah, I know you're watching the studies and things like that. But I just recently, and this has happened on Friday. That's why I'm glad you called because I I'm really trying to think about how well you listen. Do you know I just explicitly laid out in the Friday study that 46 percent of the people in the Black Lives Movements around the world uh, aggregately are Caucasian, that 22% of them are Latino, and only 17% of them are Black and the other Asian, et cetera. Have you heard me say that? You're saying in America or the world? All over, the aggregate whole. In other words, the aggregate whole is that the Black the Black Lives Matter movement is driven by larger ideological Marxist systems that require uh, the presence and outrage and expression of the Caucasian community that's part of the Marxist system. You don't know that? <laughs> I'm the one who told you that white people are marching. <laughs> Um, Why are you laughing, man? I, I'm, I'm not getting you. I'm trying yeah, to. No, because, I'm trying to have I'm, a, a coaching conversation I, I with you because because what I'm trying to marching, uh, and then you told me that. <laughs> what? That's why I'm laughing. 
I'm the one who brought up that there are all of these bunch of white people. You know, America is in 19. When Martin Luther King did the speech, um, I have a dream. Most white people were against it. The polls were against it. White people are overwhelmingly different now. They're overwhelmingly with um, racial reconciliation. And the ones who are, um, you know, I mean, there's extreme, there's extreme evangelicals like um, the guy Eric Metaxas did his show June 3rd. He did it on white genocide and white oppression. There's a lot of reform and evangelical people who are very pro-Confederate, very white nationalists. So black people have been way more forgiving Christians, like Christians forgave Dylan Roof for killing their relatives. Black Christians forgave Amber Geiger and hugged her. Um, that, that black Christian lady forgave Michael Nunn, the loud music killer. But um White evangelicals can't even forgive Kaepernick for taking the knee. He didn't even murder anyone. Robert Jeffrey, the first Dallas Baptist, talks about the NFL players being shot in the head. By the way, Amber Geiger worked at his church on Sundays. And he, man, you, he you know what, man? I'm listening to you, and guess what I'm hearing? I'm hearing anecdotal stories being used as uh, examples of whole groups of people. If people wanted to debate you, they would be able to shred you to pieces. So do me a favor, Nelson. I want to ask you one more question because I think you agreed. You said you you basically said these two extremes are basically the narrative that's going out. And and I do believe that the vast majority of people are are like middle uh, middle classes and 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 would rather have peace. But I I, I see us headed towards a civil war. Uh, what do, what does the left want? What does the left want? They want, um, you know, basically what John Lennon was saying in, in that song, you know, imagine. And, and they do believe that they um, can create uh, this great intersectionality. Um, now, the people who just want a liberal democracy, like um, Schultz said, the guy used to be a Republican with the Lincoln Project, which I'm with Republicans against Trump, they they want liberal democracy. I guess that's small d, not the Democratic Party. And I, 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 that's what I think is going to win in the end, that we're going to be a, a free country. But I think Trump and Barr, they're trying to make this, they're trying to enslave us. And then the people on the left, they want to enslave us. Ah, so okay. but both, both sides are bad. Okay, good. Because, I mean, you know. I, I appreciate you being honest about that. I think you got some pieces of the puzzle that really need to be put together in terms of a much more coherent uh, agenda. But I, I appreciate that. I, I see where you are. Listen, I got to take a hard break. Thanks for the call. Uh, three lines open, two lines rather. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'd love to hear from you. Um, uh, are we headed towards a civil war? Uh, uh, you know, our friend Nelson believes that it's going to all work out all okay. Are we headed towards a civil war? And 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 what does the left really want? I mean, really, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time is 5.54. We've got two lines open, one 888 Let's go to line number two and talk with Misty from San Francisco. Misty, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Are we headed Hi. to civil war? 
Well, I think we've been on the verge of this for quite some time, for a number of decades. And I think it's going to kind of get sidetracked. I think that with dealing with COVID and all this other stuff, what I think is so unfortunate is nobody was having respect, regardless of who they were, for the bigger picture of what was going on. People that are out here sick, that are suffering, that were, one, trying to sleep or whatever their issue might have been. There's a lot more that somebody can do to help the world than stand on a corner and bang things and throw things and make noise. There's people that need volunteers right now. There's people that are dying in the hospital. And that's what's unfortunate about it in reference to the left. I have brought that up in the past. Everybody has their own political persuasion. But I feel like what the left wants is, you know, they want more of a godless society. Mm-hmm. They want things to be more free love, kind of whatever feels good, do it. If you want to smoke some weed or just whatever kind of goes. They don't want there to be boundaries, so to speak. And I think the race war that I see being pushed, I think it's a figment of their imagination. It's mm-hmm. the devil's little fake. And he can bait everybody into being against everybody over this issue. When I go out into the streets, I see in a lot of cases that the minorities are the majority in a lot of the places that I shop or that I go to. And I think what we really each need to do personally is each of us just has to work on our own stuff. That's the only way we're going to change things. And that's the way that we're going to not have continued violence. I wanted to speak one thing to this. What was his name? Norman? I'm sorry if I forgot. The guy that just called. I don't know. I don't know if that would be wise to do because I wouldn't want him to call back. Did you say Norman? No, I think it would be wise because I have a compliment to give him. Uh, to I think, um, that, I think, I think Nelson? That he was, that he was Nelson? very, very clear. Nelson, yeah. I think it was very clear in what he was saying. He just has a little bit uh, different beliefs. But that's okay. Everybody has their own opinion, and we don't need to shame them or put them down. But I wanted to speak into the fact of what he was saying in reference to the right doing doing this and the left doing that, that truth is extreme. And it doesn't matter what side, where you want to paint that, like the right is doing this extreme and the left is doing that extreme. No, the truth is extreme. And to get things done in the stand of truth, sometimes you just have to stand, and that can be extreme. If a thousand people are jumping off a cliff and you're the one standing there, that can be seen as extreme. So it's not always what it looks like, if that makes sense. You know, the yeah, um, very. No, I get that. I actually agree with like 95% of what you're saying. I, the 5% is not disagreement. This is me taking another entrail into really listening at what's going on. I think you know more than you're saying. Uh, and, and you're just probably being a little bit more covert about it. This here has been, a, and you actually did state it earlier, Misty, this has been actually decades of subversion taking place in our colleges and our universities uh, in terms of a Marxist socialist ideology. This is not uh, organic. This here is strategic. There is no doubt about it. The philosophy that has come into our school's educational system of a godless society, as you put it, 
is exactly the utopian state that the Marxists want. It is definitely an antichrist system, and this is where I'm stating to believers, including Nelson and anybody else, that we can't simply operate out of a horizontal narrative of a left-right argumentation because this is actually all about the extermination of the gospel, uh, albeit under the terms of a uh, uh, heteronormative uh, anti-patriot a system that they want to tear down. They really do want to just, they they are identifying, if you will, the white uh, ethnicity with Christianity and with Jesus. And so what, so while all whiteness has to come down in their very explicit speech, that includes Jesus. This really is a spiritual battle at the end of the day. Right, exactly. And what, what, what I wanted to paint also for him that I think will bring him into a further truth is that this is a, this is a battle against Christ versus the devil, against evil versus good. And when you see a lot of white people, okay, listen, I'm a white chick, but I was baptized in a black church. So the whole thing is, when you see all the white people trying to be in the streets and march and say, you know, we love you, hey, I love you, but I... I'm not out there marching. I've got things to do. I'm sick. I might be at the hospital. I might be helping somebody out. I might be doing something that honestly is more important and timely. And I, I don't think we need to be out there risking our health. And I do think that the man that, that, that died was absolute horror. And I do think that was terrifying. But that was from a, a man's heart space where he was at, evil in his heart. That perpetrated that, yeah. and so what I wanted to say to, to people and to Nelson, the people that are out there, you know, they're protesting. It might make a lawn, or if something goes down, it's going to rise up again. Right now, let's yeah. step back for a second because you know what, COVID spiked, and you yeah. know why it spiked? Sure did because of that. Of this protesting. Yeah. The hospitals are out of control with COVID right now, and we can't afford that again. When yeah. if from another person gets killed. Yep. Yeah. You got it. That was that was spot on. Definitely. I hope I hope that people hear that. Uh, I, I, I'm 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 a little bit cynical because of other pillars of reality well, that I, I watch, but I wish that we understood that. I just wish we did. Maybe COVID will keep uh, will allow people to quiet down for a minute and realize that their expectations of destroying everything white is utterly irrational, illogical, and definitely, uh, you know, just demonic at its roots, just like it would be to get rid of everything black, uh, which are, again, false, faulty categories anyway. Listen, thanks for the call. Got to take a hard break. Three lines open, one 367 Three lines open, one 367 Let's talk. I'll be right back. 